Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 to 10. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of God, of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and, have, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed it? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed or for lying in a sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? It's not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. This is the word of the Lord. All right, thank you, uh, Simon, for uh, reading the passage for us. Uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, Lord's Love Church. Uh, my name is Howard, and uh, it's great to be with you guys this morning uh, to be able to worship God together despite the heat that is going on outside. Um, so hope that you guys are surviving. Uh, for those of you who are new with us today, just want to say that we're, I'm glad that you guys are here uh, to worship with us uh, this morning. And uh, today we are going to be talking about God's justice for the oppressed. Uh, originally, I wanted something light, um, and I thought that this might be something light, but as I studied the passage, I realized that this is actually a pretty, pretty heavy topic. So I'm just going to let you know this morning that it will be a bit heavier, and so uh, so we'll need to definitely uh, pray. Uh, but let, let me give you a, a, a heads up because I feel... Um, a bit of conviction uh, as I studied this. So the first conviction is that it's just a reminder to see that how important it is for us as Christians to keep, like, to continue to dive into God's word and to study it so that we understand what God is up to in this world and how we can continue to participate uh, in it. And my con second conviction is that if we miss the bigger picture of God's work in this world, we will miss our opportunity of living out our calling that he has placed in for us individually and together as a uh, community. 
And so that is why it's important to uh, read God's word. But as we read in the passage today uh, from Isaiah, that the Jews really missed this point. And they didn't really understand who God really is. But before I start, I just want to pray. Uh, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today uh, that we get to worship you, that we get to uh, uh, hear your word, Lord. Uh, pray for your Holy Spirit to be here, Lord, that your spirit will, will help us to understand your word. Um, and may your spirit soften our hearts um, and, and for us to receive your word. So we thank you for this time that we get to hear it, Lord. Um, and, and, and we're looking forward to it, Lord. Thank you um, for this time that we get to worship together. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> so before I get into it, just want to show you a video that I've seen like I think five or six years ago that I just remember when I was uh, studying this passage that I want to share with you. It's, um, actually, let me get that started first before I explain more. So this is a worship, a wrong worship video, okay? It's a church parody that kind of gives us a bit of context what we're gonna be talking about today. I just want to let you guys know that this is a bit older. So there's some songs that are way back in the 90s or, or early 2000s, all right? So uh, if, you, if you grew up in church, maybe this will bring back good memories of some songs that they're gonna be uh, using uh, in here, but please uh, pay attention uh, to the lyrics. Yeah. 
Okay, all right. Um, so yes, uh, this video is funny, um, but also brings out uh, some of the issues for us as Christians, um, where we can fall sometimes fall into the trap of treating our relationship with God for only Sundays, or that we treat Sunday worship as a to-do list to check it off in a bucket list so that uh, we feel better that we attended church or we restrict our worship to God for only Sundays. But then later on, it just causes us to go through the motion. And I've been there. Ultimately, I believe that restricting ourselves to worship God or studying his word once a week causes us a stagnant faith. We become more, too comfortable in our faith that we eventually miss out on God's greater work in this world. And so this is why it's important for us to understand more of who God is, to continue to study his word so that we're not missing the main point about what God is trying to do, that God functions even outside of Sunday worship. And here's the thing that this was the issue with the Jews. They had the wrong idea of worship, the wrong idea of how to respond to God's love and grace. They thought that they were a righteous nation by following the ritual laws. But they forget that God functions outside of that, functions of a Sabbath day, that his heart and his agenda is constantly at work uh, to care for the oppressed and for the broken people. So likewise, it is wise for us to study God's word so that we are more aware of what God is up to in this world. That God's justice work in this world um, God's justice is at work in this world, and we are actually called as Christians, called to respond to it by participating with him. But we need to know who he is first. So the big idea for today is that our response to God's justice comes from our understanding of God's character. For us to, for us to respond properly, to answer that call and respond to God's justice, we need to understand who he really is. The true understanding has to come from God's character and agenda. Knowing his character helps us to learn how we best do this and in ways that would honor him. So let's dive into it. Uh, before I, I do get into the passage, I do need to talk about one attribute of God that, to that closely connects to his uh, attribute of holiness. The attribute of God closely connected to his holiness is his righteousness, which means uprightness, goodness, virtue, and moral rightness, and that includes his justice. The righteousness of God means that his being, his nature, and character is always righteous, good, right, and just. He himself, get this, he himself is the 
ultimate standard as to what is good because he does no wrongdoing. He is perfect. He is the standard of everything. And if we look at Psalm 89, verse 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Because God is righteous in his nature, he is fair and equitable in all his ways, including his interaction with humanity. And because God is holy, meaning he's separate, that he's different, he can't abide sin, he cannot accept it because he's righteous. And as a result, he treats people according to what they deserve. So let's read a bit of a Romans passage that we read from last year. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short for the of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. That God demonstrated his righteousness, that he is right, that all that he does is right through Jesus. And because God is upright, um, because he's righteous, he rewards the upright, those who uh, live in alignment with his will, his word and ways. And in the same token, when one sins, there is actually punishment. And here's the thing. If there were no rewards and punishment, then God would be unfair. And as a result, he will be unrighteous. But he can't be because he's perfect. And that will go against his nature and essence. So at the end of the day, there is right and there's wrong. And because God is righteous, because he knows what is right in all the ways that he is perfect and without sin, that God's way of doing things, his, him carrying out justice is the right way. And we have to understand and trust in that and to believe in it. And so there are some couple of things that we understand God's justice is demonstrated through salvation, through his mercy, by sending Jesus. There's also God's justice through the final judgment uh, for those who do not repent. And also, uh, and then the third one, which we're going to be focusing on today, as I, as I study this um, Scripture and I studied this passage that God's justice also applies in how He specifically cares for the oppressed. And that is really, this is the word of God that we really need uh, to hear today, especially in light of everything that's been happening in this world. So, context uh, this was the time when God restored Judah, okay, from the Babylonian exile and to make them a new Jerusalem. Okay, God was restoring them. Um, but the thing is, the Jews still did not, uh, still failed to know God's heart and command. They still rely on the ritual walls to get God's attention and think that that was it. So what were the Jews missing aside from that? They didn't understand where God's heart was at. And that's why God never paid attention to them when they were crying out to him. So the first point I want to make is this. That God won't answer our prayers when we ask with wrong motives. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1 to 2, shout it out loud. Do not hold back. 
raise your trump, raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebelling and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. People in Judah thought they were living the right way, the righteous way. And right here, God already is like, we're going to call them out. They're doing the wrong thing. They're rebellious right now. The first thing God already answers is like, like um, shout it out. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion. And in verse 2, for day after day, they seek me out. And they seem to know what they're doing. And, and what is saying right here is that Jews thought they were righteous people. Because they fasted. Just for that one day, as we'll see later on in the passage, that they just took that one day and they expect to get to get God's attention. But God doesn't function this way. Isaiah 58, verse 3 to 4. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Just hold on for a sec. We need to look at some of the key phrases. The Jew said, we fasted, but why have you not seen it? We humbled ourselves, but why have you not noted? The fact, can I just say this? The fact that they have to ask this question to God and complain to God about this and how God is not paying attention to their fast already shows the wrong motive of fasting. You don't fast so that you can get to get God's attention. You fast because you trust and you want to worship him in this way to show that you rely and you submit and you surrender to him. But they didn't understand that. Instead, their whole sole reason for them to fast was to get their attention. And so God calls them out. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. I mean, your, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and, and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Now, maybe here, I don't know, maybe they were just really hangry, okay, and, and start fighting each other. I don't know. But main thing is that they, they somehow fought each other. Something made them feel like fight each other to the point where God is like, you're not doing it for the right motive. It sh you shouldn't even end your fast with fights. You should be able to end your fast in with joy and satisfaction in God. And so there's something wrong with here. You see, fasting is an act of worship. It is surrendering to God and submitting to God and saying that God is our daily bread, like how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And they missed this point. It was supposed to bring them closer to God, but it actually brought them further away from God. So God asked them this rhetorical question. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reef and for lying in a sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? So in other words, what God is saying is, you think this is the, the, the way that I structure things, that I've scheduled that you just choose one day to fast and I'm just going to pay attention to you? You think just one day of humbling yourself will make you feel much better and more righteous? That's not how it works. And then he goes on, it's only for buying one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes. Unfortunately, not, not a lot of commentators actually made any uh, comments in this, 
there's only broad statements, but one one that I found finally that they said that this was an uh, they act and dress in ways that shows they are fasting. So this is more for the 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 uh, sackcloth and ashes, more of a outward appearance to show that they are fasting. And so that in itself already shows that their hearts were in the wrong place. So the question for us today is, what about us in this situation? Do we individually also fall into the trap of doing things for God, for our own benefits? Do we also act a bit more righteous than we should sometimes? But God, I'm leading a Bible study for you. Why am I experiencing hardship? Or I should deserve this and that. But God, I, I'm serving on Sunday morning for service. Why are bad things happening to me? Or I should deserve this. But God, I'm serving you. Where is my reward? I should be getting this and that. I feel like sometimes we also act that way. Maybe not externally, not out loud, but maybe that's how we feel in our heart sometimes. That we want God's attention, that we want his reward because of what we do for him. But the thing is, we're called to serve God, to submit to him, not because we can get good results from him to answer or for him to answer our prayers. But we submit to him because he is Lord over our lives, that he is the ultimate joy and satisfaction that we have. And when our motives of loving God doesn't align with his heart and kingdom, he's not going to answer us. So in other words, submitting to God and knowing him is beyond just reading and meditating on his word. God is constantly at work to care for people. So we miss this point. We will miss seeing God's uh, work. Second point that I want to make is that God's just heart and justice is to heal the broken and the oppressed. Let's read. Now God continues to talk more after they complained. Is this is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to lose the chains of injustice and untie the course of the yoke to and to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wonder with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. So again, not only does God bring salvation and judgment, but he also cares for the needs of others, the oppressed, the broken. And this, when we actually act this out and care for the needs of others, this is actually one of the ways that we can worship God because we are actually responding to the good news. We are responding to his love and his grace and how he has loved us and forgiven us. And again, the Jews missed this point. They never understood it. And even Matthew chapter 9, verse 12 to 13, all right? This is one of my favorite passages. When Jesus was eating with Matthew, the tax collector and the sinners, the Pharisees challenged him. Why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? And here's the mic drop. Jesus answered on hearing this. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy not sacrifice for I have come to call not to I, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners so Jesus right here even as he was he was on earth to minister to other people to tell them about the kingdom of God 
that he was caring for people, that he was with the, he was hanging out with the brokenhearted people, the sinners, because he's all about them. So verse six, is not this kind of fasting I've chosen to lose the chains of injustice, to untie the course of the yoke and to set the oppressed free. To break the chains of injustice, to break that pattern, to break that thing that is like holding together, to break that, to loosen it, to break it, and to untie, and to untie the cord of yoke, meaning to undo the heavy burdens and to set the oppressed free. It's time to care and fight for the broken and the oppressed. And I just want to draw our attention to the current things in this world that has been happening since, like, even when we know more about last year, with the consistency of the racism, the police brutality against the Black community, right? Like, we all know Breonna uh, Taylor, George Floyd, Rachel Brooks, to name a few, and now, like, even Asian hate, right? And, and then the recent... Uh, part of the indigenous uh, community discovering the indigenous children's remains that 250 children were found right at the residential school in Kamloops and then that was I think a week or two ago and then now this week or recently is 751 there is so much going on in this world there's so much evil there's so much hate and, and, and as Christians this is where I'm saying about the conviction that that we are called to respond due to these injustice, to these act of evil. That we're not just called to come on Sundays to worship God and think that faith is great, but that we exercise and live out our faith by going out to help. So why am I listening to these events? Because it is our responsibility to respond to God's calling to, to help in this way. And that's why it is important for us to know God's character so that we can take action in ways that actually honor him. Verse seven, is, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wander with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe them. Uh, so in other words, instead of focusing on your own spiritual growth, take care of them. Question I want to ask is, if we refuse to care for the needs of the poor or others, do we actually have the heart of God? I believe our refusal leads us more to a stagnant faith, a comfortable faith, comfortable life, and that will make us miss, cause us to miss the opportunity to participate in God's way of doing uh, uh, work in this world. So, third point. So God is faithful, right? So what God is faithful and will provide for our needs when we live out our faith. This is what happens when we know God, when we know his word, what his agenda is. And when we act upon that he is faithful and he will provide for our needs. Verse eight, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of God will be a rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing fingers and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. 
So the light refers to this insight that fasting is a spiritual resource for social action, that we are to do something outside of ourselves. And in verse 9 10, when you call, God will answer. When you actually live out God's word, live out your faith, to, to obey what God has called you to do, to respond to God's justice, to start to stop thinking just about ourselves, but to start thinking about others, that we also will, that we will be able to hear more of God's voice and, and be led by Him. So, just a reminder that Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins, so that we, for us to also to experience this, what true sacrificial love is, to experience what it looks like, but it doesn't end there. Because we have experienced God's great love, we are also called to love other people. That our faith is beyond the church walls. And I want to acknowledge living out our faith and caring for the needs of others is tough because it requires us to step out of our comfort zone. Sometimes we have doubts about giving money or food to the homeless when we pass by them. I have definitely been there before many times and still continue to wrestle with this at times. There are times when I give, there are times when I don't. And I still wrestle with that. And I think we can all share the same belief, the general doubt that we all have. Well, if they, you know, the reason why we don't give them is because of this mentality. Well, if they use them, what if they use the money for drugs, right? I, I think we, we all have feel, felt that before, that the reason why we don't want to give money is because we think that they're using it for the wrong reasons. And I mean, it is a valid question and it's definitely a concern. And I'm not going to dismiss this. And as I wrestle with this, you know, years back, like I felt like God was, that really changed my perspective that I would like to share with you all. And sometimes we may forget this, but our money belongs to God because he's the one that gives us money. Meaning that he's the one that provided us, first of all, with a job that we can actually work and earn money. That the money we did not create ourselves, that God gave it to us and he blessed us with it. And so maybe the next time when you think about giving, what if you begin saying, I'm giving this amount to this homeless person because it's not my money, it's God's money. What if you just imagine that when you start having this perspective before you give, this is God's money right here. It's not my money. God gave it to me, I'm passing on. So even though if he does use it for drugs or anything, that is between him and God. I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to call, to respond to God's calling, to love and to care for the poor. So maybe this will help us. So just to end off, I, I just need to say that I am not an expert in this whole God's justice thing for caring for the broken and oppressed. I am still learning and sometimes I can still be skeptical. But one thing I do know that God's justice is about caring also for the poor and the broken, and, and as Christians, that we are called to respond to it. So it is important for us individually and as a community to think deeper into this topic of God's justice, to pray and discern together so that we know how we can best respond to it. And for those of us who are not, you know, already like doing stuff about it, what would it look like if we started small? Like first giving a small amount to, to someone who's homeless, giving to the poor maybe supporting non, non-profit organizations or Christian organizations, maybe to go out to help people providing food and drinks, or maybe when it comes to like uh, injustice with evil and hatred to do your own research on the topics, on the history of 
why things happened or how things happened back then to educate yourself. I think these are the practical ways that we can do individually and together as a group. But just think big, imagine bigger. If we can start doing all these things to participate in this way, and what would, it be, what would it look like if we actually fought for the oppressed? I can't help but imagine that, that people will really see Jesus for who he really is, that he cares, that he loves, that he forgives. And ultimately, he is gracious and merciful. And he's slow to anger. So I want to point this out to end up that God doesn't need us to participate as if he can't do it himself but he still chooses to call us so that we can participate in his great work in this world. So let us get out of our comfort zone and start becoming uncomfortable by stepping out to care for the needs of the oppressed and the poor. But again, I have to say, before we actually do that, we got to continue to come back to God's word. We must first come to him because our response to God's justice has to come from our understanding of who God really is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, revealing yourself to us, your heart, your agenda, for your heart and, and, and your passion for people, for the poor. And we confess that we, we lack in this area. We lack compassion in this area. That oftentimes we care so much about our own faith, about our own benefits, that we forget that you function outside of church. So God, I pray that Father, your spirit will lead us into repentance to turn away from our selfish ways and to start thinking about your ways, to start thinking about your justice of how you are already at work in this world and to be able to learn how we can participate and partner with you in this aspect. So God, we're still learning. So I pray that your spirit will continue to teach us as we continue to learn, uh, as we continue to follow you. So God, we thank you for your love and your grace.